Jesus
worship us, lift your voice. They call you God. So worthy is your name, say worthy is your name. We worship you, say we worship your majesty. One more time. Holy are you, Lord, say oh. Are you, Lord? Let your voice all of creation call.
Shalom, 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 shalom. Shalom, evening people of God. Shalom, evening church. Please, I believe you are all doing well. special grace of God myself and my family we are doing well hallelujah all right the Lord bless you and keep all of you strong I want to welcome all of you to this evening session of the prophetic training experience I believe that the Lord is gonna release the light of his word even in our hearts the Lord is gonna cause understanding to be our portion the hand of the Lord will come upon us and every form of ignorance will be taken away and even wrong beliefs 
the Lord will deal with them by the spirit of his word in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. All right, let's take a quick word of prayer. Ancient of days, we exalt you. Almighty one of Israel, be thou glorified in the midst of your church. Once again, we have hearkened to your voice and even listened also to the trumpet call. And for that reason have we all gathered before thee. It is our prayer, O God, that you cause the entrance of thy word to release light even in our souls. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that the light of your word will bring transformation to us and there will be a release of great grace upon us all. Your word is already anointed. Therefore, it is our prayer that you help us position ourselves well, even to receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. We thank you, mighty one of Israel. We give you glory, even for this evening. In Jesus' precious mighty name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. The Lord bless you and favor you all. I want to welcome you once again to this evening's session of the prophetic training. Hallelujah. I know the Lord will help us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So those of you who are not on UCC campus, um, we have begun a certain season and um, the series that we are actually handling by the special grace of God is Introduction to Eschatology. Introduction to Eschatology. And in fact, everything we've been talking about is actually in the introductory stage. We have not gone into the depth of it. Hallelujah. And because most of us are not on campus, um, we are not actually getting access to the message. But then we have recorded everything and we are just waiting for a certain moment where we will create a telegram platform and upload everything so that we all will be blessed hallelujah you know when you go to some churches the men of god actually sell their messages you know what i'm talking about that some of them you will buy them thirty dollars forty dollars once they put it on their website you would have to go and buy the message but here by the special grace of god Everything is being given to us free of charge. So if you don't listen, if you don't study, God would ask you. God bless you. Amen. All right. So I think last Monday, um, the Lord helped us just to give us a little understanding and knowledge of some questions that have actually come concerning the matters of the end times and i think last monday um, i asked some of these questions and many of us you know attempted to answer and the lord also gave us 
grace even to understand what the answers actually were hallelujah and this evening we have been privileged by the special grace of god to also experience a new dimension of god's word now one thing i want all of you to take note of is that there might be some of you who are very curious when it comes to the doctrines of christ and you would just want to know what the bible is saying about some of these doctrines and i believe that because of this curiosity many of you have actually learned a lot of things have learned a lot of things um, concerning the end times and the truth of the matter is whenever you are now beginning to understand something the first level of knowledge or let me say the first compendium of knowledge that you are exposed to becomes the foundational blocks or bricks of your faith or your belief in that view you get what i'm saying and this is actually one of the reasons why many of you are finding it very difficult to to let go of certain things you read and you have believed whether it is true or not you just can't let go but then what we are going to do right now is not to prove that we are of this view but we are going to let the scriptures actually speak for itself so that we will know whether all these other views of eschatology according to the scriptures are actually true hallelujah because some of the views are born out of exaggeration some of the views are born out of sentiment and emotional experiences and as we journey you understand what i'm talking about so we actually need to know what the scriptures are saying and if you want to actually know and believe what the scriptures are saying there are certain things you need to understand especially when it comes to interpreting bible prophecies you need to understand some basic things so that you will not chip in your own tradition into the bible are you following that is because when it comes to biblical interpretation there is something we call first audience first audience what it means is that the bible that we have it was actually written to a certain group of people for the first time so let's say paul writing the book of ephesians to the ephesian church in fact the first audience of the book of ephesians were the ephesian church so definitely that is why sometimes when you are reading paul will say certain things like we have heard of your faith throughout your your tribulations you have stood for god and we are so thankful to god for your lives and this and this and that and i long to be with you and i know that very soon i will come but before i come i'm sending you timothy who will be with you for some time you see all these things that means that paul was actually writing to a certain people that were alive at that time are you getting the point and these people are the first audience of the book 
that Paul is writing. So if you want to really understand the scriptures, don't throw the first audience away. Because if you do so, you will miss a lot of things. And our problem is we, we focus so much on the application of the scriptures to ourselves now than first understanding it in the light of the first audience. Now, you can't bring that one to Bible prophecies. You, you destroy everything. Are you following? If you want to understand Bible prophecies, there are certain basic things you need to know. And the first one is what I've told you. Understanding and knowing the first audience. Are you following? Can you all hear me, please? Good. So the first thing we need to understand when it comes to interpreting scriptures, especially in the side of eschatology, Bible prophecies, first, you need to put in the first audience. And second, you also need to understand what we call scriptures, interpreting scriptures. Are you following? So the Bible said in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20 this is Peter speaking and he said knowing this first so you see whenever it comes to interpreting scriptures especially Bible prophecies you have to know this first Second Peter chapter 1 verse 20 he said knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation what it means is that when it comes to the prophecies in the scriptures we don't interpret them outside the scriptures. Are you, are you getting the point? It is through the scriptures that we interpret the scriptures. Are you getting the point? We interpret scriptures with scriptures. This is the reason why. Whenever somebody tells you that George Bush is the beast, there is a problem. When somebody tells you that Obama is the beast, there is a problem. When somebody tells you Donald 
Trump is the beast, there is a problem. Are you listening to me? Good. So the TPT says you must understand this at the outset. Interpretation of scriptural prophecy requires the Holy Spirit, for it does not originate from someone's own imagination. And that is what people do now. Are you, are you following? Good. So anytime you want to understand the matters of Bible prophecies, there are basic things you need to know. The first thing that Peter is telling us is that you should understand this first, that there is no Bible prophecy that is of a private interpretation. That means you cannot go and get a dream and use that dream to interpret the Bible prophecy. No. Let the scriptures, there is no prophecy in the Bible that the scriptures do not, cannot interpret. Every prophecy in the Bible has an interpretation already written in the Bible. Very important. And it will shock you to know that most of the interpretations we have that has brought us different views in eschatology came out of dreams and visions that people had. If you go into details to know the reason why the Seventh-day Adventist people believe a certain eschatological view that they believe, you get to know that this came out of some dreams and visions that Ellen White received. Are you following? I'm not feeling you here. It looks like it's only one person that is responding. Are you all following? Great. Great. Cool. So we should take note and understand all these things. I think last Monday, I made us understand that when it comes to the matters of the end times, three main things come to play. The first one is what we call personal eschatology. And that one is what deals with the end of the souls of men. What happens to human beings at the end of all things. It is called personal eschatology. Then we have covenantal eschatology that deals with covenants, how a certain covenant will end. Then we have what we call cosmic eschatology, which deals with what happens to the entire world of God. Are you following? Good. So we laid that foundation um, last Monday. Now today, I want to, and also last Monday we discussed the four different views of eschatology that we have the four different the four main different views of eschatology that we have be it the futurism the historicism the idealism and the proterism i believe you have not forgotten Good, you recall all these things. Hallelujah. 
and the reason I'm going to start my school of the word is like a, a, a Bible college. I will enroll all of you. Everybody, everybody. And we write exams. If you don't pass, we will fight. Amen. By the time you are done with the school, you will know that you have you have become heavy. Hallelujah. May the Lord help us all. Okay. All right. Now, today, let me talk to us about something, another dimension of things that I want all of us to take note of. Now, there are 11 main topics that we are going to talk about in eschatology. 11 main topics. 11 main topics that we are going to, to treat into details in eschatology. In fact, these are the topics that make up the whole eschatology. And we are going to discuss all of them. Hallelujah. The first thing we are going to talk about, number one, is death and the afterlife. Death and the afterlife. Death and the afterlife. Number one, death and the afterlife. Number two, we're going to talk about heaven and hell. Heaven and hell. Number three, we are going to talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ. The second coming of Jesus Christ. Number four, we are going to talk about the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection of the dead. Number five, we are going to talk about the rapture. The rapture. The rapture. Number six, we are going to talk about the great tribulation. The great tribulation. Number seven, we are going to talk about the Antichrist or the Antichrist. Antichrist or Antichrist. Number eight, we are going to talk about the millennium. The millennium. Number nine, we are going to talk about the end of the world. The end of the world. Number 10, we are going to talk about the last judgment. The last judgment. And number 11, we are going to talk about the new heaven and the new earth. The new heaven and the new earth. These are the 11 topics we are going to treat in eschatology. Hallelujah. 
by the time we are done, you will know you are, you are heavy. Amen. And I believe that some of you have, diff, you have understanding into some of these topics. And if I ask you questions, you will see what you have learned and what you believe. But then, we are not going to let you see what you believe, neither am I going to say what I believe. We are going to study what the scriptures are saying. Are you getting the point? I won't push my view in your mind. That's not the work of a good teacher. The work of a good teacher is to let the students understand what the book they are studying is actually saying. Are you listening to me? So that is exactly what we are going to talk about. And I believe the Lord will help us. He will greatly empower us and cause us to come to the place of great understanding in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now this evening I want to start with death and afterlife. Death and the afterlife. Death and the afterlife. And my question, you know, definitely, you know, I would, I would begin with a question. My question is simple. What is death? What is death? What is death? What do you know about death? Say something. We all should say something. Don't tell me you don't know anything. Your grandfather has died before. Okay. Somebody said the transition from the physical world to the spiritual world. I see. Okay, someone also said, Adua Udua said, when your soul leaves your body. Okay. Nakepru says that the absence of a person from the physical world. Okay. Sami said, the exit of spirit soul being from the body. Okay. Benita said, spirit leaves the body. When your spirit leaves the body, that is death. Okay, Michael K said, when the spirit departs from the physical body. Vanelsi said, death is separation from God. Okay, I love the way the, the answers are coming from many angles. Abelam Wafu said, when the soul permanently leaves the body. Okay, Charles Abbey said, the end of life of a person. Okay. Come now, let out this is death is the physical separation in between the soul and the body. Okay. Michael Mimshak said transition from one realm to another. Okay. If you are says transition from one world to another world. Okay. Sami also said, carnally minded is death. 
So right now, somebody said, death is uwu, uwu. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> In fact, all the answers you have given to me are all right. Hallelujah. But you see, we need to understand what the scriptures are saying. Are you following? interpretation and understanding there is something we call the law of first mention the law of first mention that is to say whenever something is mentioned for the first time in the bible then we look at the context in which that thing or that word was used and through that, we can actually define that thing for what it is. Are you listening to me? Now, in the book of Genesis, we want to know the first time death was actually mentioned in the Bible. In the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 17 if I want to read from verse 16 the Bible said and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof Thou shalt surely die. So the first time the word die, which is linking to the word death, was made mention of in the Bible, was in the book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 17. And it was in the context of a certain punishment. And what punishment was that? That if man decides to disobey God and do what God has told him not to do, then he will die. So what it means is that at that point, death was actually going to be the aftermath effect of the disobedience of man. Are you following So when man disobeys God, then death will come. That means that any time man is in obedience to God, death cannot come close. So in this context, death has been used as a means of punishment to the one who disobeys God. So when we read the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Romans 5, 12, the Bible said, Wherefore, 
as by, by one man sin entered into the world. By one man sin entered into the world and death came also by sin. So you see, the NLT says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. So that means sin had not yet entered into the world that God framed and put Adam in. Sin had not yet entered. But the day Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. And he said, Adam's sin brought death. So the moment sin entered into this world, death followed it. So he says, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. What it means is that without sin, there is no death. Are you listening to me? Without sin, there is no death. It was when sin entered into the world that sin brought death. Are you overruling? So if sin is bringing death along with it, what then is the relationship between sin and death? The TPT says when Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Sin entered human experience and death was the result. Are you getting the point? So death became the result of sin. And so death followed this sin, casting its shadow over all humanity because all have sinned. Hallelujah. So now what then? Why is it that wherever sin goes, death follows? And who actually made it so that when you sin, you will die? In the book of Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the Bible said, For the wages of sin is death. Let's stand on that portion. For the wages of sin is death. Now we all know wages. Wages is like your salary. So once you sin, once you work, you are supposed to be paid. Your salary must be given to you. Are you getting the point? So if you work and you don't get your salary, you can actually take the company that has employed you to court because you deserve your salary based on the work you are doing. What it means is that the payment of sin is death. So there is no way you can sin and you will not die. Now the thing is, who actually made the payment of sin death? God said it. He said, in the day you eat, I'm telling you not to eat. But if you eat, you will die. So God is actually the one who made that decree that if you eat what I've told you not to eat, you have sinned against me. And the moment you sin, death 
will be your payment. Are you listening to me? Now the question I want all of us to answer is this. When sin had not yet entered into the world through Adam, was there death? Because the Bible said it was when Adam sinned that even sin itself entered into the world and death also followed it and entered into our world. So now the question is when sin had not yet entered into this world where was death? I don't know if I'm getting my point. Okay, let me frame it in this way for you to understand. If you go out and sit outside, mosquitoes will bite you. And when mosquitoes bite you, you will get malaria. Now the question is simple. So, let me keep quiet before I say something. But the question is simple. If you don't go out and sit outside for mosquitoes to, to bite you, what will happen to malaria? Are you listening to me? If you catch this, it will help you. Somebody said death was there but it had a different assignment. I see. And what is that assignment? Somebody also said there was but it was not active or operating compared to when Adam ate the fruit. I see. Somebody said perhaps does it mean death was created as a result of God's declaration? <laughs> oh, Messiah. The writer said, there was no death in the world. Only separation from God for the fallen angels. You are saying something here. The writer. You are saying something here. Now you see, when you listen to the scriptures very well the bible said because of what adam did 
sin entered into the world the question is which world very important which world did sin enter into are, are you getting my point if you get to know the world you will now understand and you will now have to know where sin came from and where death came from are you listening to me Now, I know many of you believe that because when you say there was no death in the world, it, was, it is true as at that time. But then you have to take note of the word the world so that you will not think that God I don't want to answer the question for you. But then contextually when the Bible says sin entered into the world it is actually talking about the world of, of man. Not as in God's world where God dwells. No, 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 no. Are you, are you getting my point? That is why the Bible used the word entered. So that you will know it came from somewhere and entered into somewhere. Are you getting it? Like there are plenty of mosquitoes around female anopheles mosquitoes but you will never get malaria unless you sit amongst them and they keep biting you it does not mean that there is no malaria there is but it has not yet entered into your body which is your world and you going to sit in the midst of them is your sin so sitting in the midst of mosquitoes is your sin. Don't sit. But if you go there, you have sinned. And once you sit down there and they bite you, you will get the malaria. And that malaria becomes the, the wages of your sin. Are you getting the point? Yes. And the mosquito that is carrying the malaria is not sick. The mosquito doesn't need a tissuate amodaque. It's not sick. But the very moment you, you disobey and you go and stand amongst them and they bite you, you get the malaria. Such a big huge man, you'll be on the on the bed shivering. When they bring food you cannot eat. Wampa. And what Bobin could be eat a lady. Hallelujah. So now, what am I trying to say? Death actually existed, but not in our world, in our world. existed but not in our world are you following it existed with God and had a purpose with God it was actually after man sinned that God appointed death 
through his declaration to be the punishment for sin. And so right now, when you hear the word death, it means a lot. When you stand before God, death means a lot to God. When I say means a lot, I'm not talking about the fact that God loves death. I'm trying to say death has so many meanings before God. Are you listening to me? Because there's a dimension of God that you will enter that death will not be the wages for sin. The wages for sin, which is death, is only in our world. I don't know if you're getting my point. So what I'm trying to say is that death is serving so many purposes. Right now, in the midst of human beings and in our world, death is actually serving. Death is actually serving as the, the wages or the punishment for sin. Are you listening to me? I'm coming there I'm coming there so when you stand before God and you make mention of death okay let's go into the scriptures what was God actually trying to say when he told Adam that if you eat you will die what death was God actually trying to say what was he thinking what what was the death in fact that death that God actually told Adam about was actually all the meanings of death put together. And the first one, the first meaning of death is separation from God. When something is separated from God, that thing is said to be dead and the reason why it is said to be dead is because god is life when we talk about god as life we are actually talking about the the essence of god that sustains all things are you following essence of God that sustains all things is God's life. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. So the other time I spoke to us about the three L's of God. We spoke about God as love, God as light, and God as life. Only one God manifesting these three dimensions. Hallelujah.
when we speak of God as life, it is actually the dimension of God that brings meaning to everything. Are you following me? I think I've explained this before. I don't want to chip into all these. It will delay us. Hallelujah. But then we just need to understand something. For example, whenever you do something in this world, there are three main things that God will use to test the genuineness of that thing. When you do something, let's say I've given money to a friend. Once I do that, God will use three things to check the genuineness of that thing. The first thing God is going to use is called love. So God will do a litmus test of love on the very act of almsgiving. Then aside that, God is going to use another dimension called light. Light. It is that light that will let us know whether you did the thing out of knowledge and understanding or you are just doing it. And the last thing that God is going to use to test whatever you have done is called life. All these three dimensions are very important. But the life is actually what gives you your reward. Are you getting my point? The life is actually what it is the measuring system of the thing you did. So that God, based on the life, will reward you. So whatever we do in this world, God will test it with love, light, and life. And when we say something is life, in another way we can say it is in line with the purpose of God. So whenever something is not in the purpose of God, that thing is said to be dead. So aside you being separated from God, into when you go into details, you've been separated from God actually in a way means you have been disconnected from God's purpose. And that is actually death in its first dimension. That is the reason why we call unbelievers. Do you know that all unbelievers are dead? I hope you know that. They are all dead people. And the reason why we are we see them as dead people is actually because there is no Christ in them. There is no life. They are outside the purpose of God. So they can give their entire building free of charge as a gift to somebody, it will still not produce life. Because it is not in the reader of God. It is not in the purpose of God. And the way God has made things, there is no way a man can do something that will produce life before God if the spirit of life is not already in the person. 
Are you listening to me? And the spirit of life is the Holy Spirit. So whoever does not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is already dead. And it doesn't matter the good things you do. It is only the cosmos, the physical world, that will not forget what you have done. So you can even receive rewards physically for that. Even when you die, some of your children might even enjoy some of the things you did on earth for people. But so long as Christ was not in your heart, there is no reward for you at the other side. It does not permeate into the realms of the heavens. Are you following? Unless God decides that I am the one who made all the laws, I am lifting my hand to change things. And mostly, God loves to do that. Whenever he sees an unbeliever who does not even believe in Christ, but is following every bit of the law, the person does not kill, the person does not do this, and it's not like there is a certain law that is forcing the person not to kill. The person just has understanding. The person just doesn't want to do it. You know, Apostle Michael Ropo said one time, one of his friends went to Japan and he left a briefcase at a certain station full of dollars. Left the briefcase, I think, in a, in a bus full of dollars. And when he got home, he realized that he has misplaced his briefcase. He didn't know what to do. Full of dollars, plenty of dollars. The, the man found ways and means to get the number of the bus after four or five hours. And when he called, the driver answered and said, Oh, yes, we found your, your briefcase and um, we've taken it to the station. So please, God willing, tomorrow you can come to the station and pick it. The next morning, the man went there. He just identified himself and they gave it to him. Then he said he called the driver to the other side and asked him, why didn't you, did you see that money was inside? He said, yes. He said, so why didn't you take any money? He said, it is beneath us to steal. Hmm. It is beneath us to steal. This is not a Christian. There's no Holy Ghost. This is not a believer. Or you know this is a Buddhist. Said it is beneath us. The mentality alone is heavy. Because you know, some of our Christian brothers and sisters, if you leave it in the in the car of a decay, because this is miracle money. God has favored me, knowing very well it belongs to somebody. Somebody said, we lived there for some years and they are amazing people. Wow. I'm telling you, there is something they put in their, in their minds and in their hearts when they are growing up as Japanese. They won't steal anything. And it is this thing that the Arab 
countries are picking. You can actually put your phone outside in Dubai, go and sleep, and you the next morning it will still be there. But in some countries that we call them Christian countries, what are you doing? The time we no bed, go about in a shed bed, in a semi bed, no bed. Hey. telling you let the Lord help all of us in Jesus name Amen so when we say death death actually means when a person is separated from God when a person is separated from the purpose of God Then you now come to the lower dimension. When we speak of death, we are talking about when something leaves its estate permanently. Are you following? When something leaves its estate or abode or dwelling place permanently, it is also called death. Now, one thing you need to understand is that according to the word of God, according to the scriptures, this your physical body is a house. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, this your physical body is a house. So when you leave your house, Permanently, and you don't return to your house, it is said that you are dead. Are you following? Good. Now, the question is when, when, when you leave your house, and if your physical body is the house, then which part of you is you? Is the you that is living? It is called your spirit soul being. Hallelujah. Good. Now, in that context, we need to also understand that there are two dimensions of that. There is what we call the physical death. When you read, we have what we call the death of the body and we have the death of the soul. In the book of Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Matthew 10, 28. Jesus said, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So there is what you call the killing of the body, the killing of the soul. Are you following me? 
So when your physical, when your soul actually leaves your body, when your spirit soul being leaves your body permanently, it is said that your body is dead. Is that not so? But then, where your soul will go to after it has left this physical body will determine whether it is going to die or it will live. Now, when we say that die, we are not saying that the, the soul will just lose life. No, 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 that's not what we are saying. What it means is the soul will be separated from God and the purpose of God that souls accomplish. That soul will totally be separated from God. Are you listening to me? You need to take note of that. Very, very important. So for that reason, the prophet said, In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, verse 4, he spoke as the Lord God spoke through him, and he said, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sins, it shall die. That all souls are mine, the soul of the Father and that of the Son, they are all mine. But in the soul that sins, that same soul shall die. Are you following me? So there is what we call the death of the soul and the death of the body. The death of the body is when your spirit soul leaves your body permanently. But the death of the soul is when your soul is now separated from life, which is God and His purpose. Are you listening to me? Good. So what God was actually telling Adam is that if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be separated from me and my purpose for your life and for the entire world. You you will not be able to even fulfill that which I have said. And that is exactly what happened to man. Hallelujah. And because man was separated from God and his purpose, Satan gained access into that man's life. And it doesn't matter how he afflicted man, the man couldn't go to God for any help. But for the sake of the love of God, God set a plan from the foundations of the world. Knowing that man will sin, but then this is the plan that I will execute so that I will get man back to myself and also cause him to fulfill the reason for which I made him. Hallelujah. So basically, this is death. 
is there any question that you would want to ask concerning death? Ask right now. We have a lot of things to talk about. If you have any question concerning death. said if you have any question concerning death you can freely ask 
Okay, and this from the Royal Dakar Prince. He says, Daddy, please. Okay, okay, I think somebody's asking. Owusu Mary says, When someone dies, I want to get the question clear. Maybe this is what she's trying to ask. When someone dies, does, is the person still living? Is that what she's trying to ask, looking at the way she has put the question? You just need to understand what death is. That is all. That is all. And that's what I've explained. We have explained that when the death you are talking about here is when the body dies. What it means is that the spirit soul being has moved to a different dimension. Are you getting the point? So we are only seeing the body, the dead body. But then the very inner core being of the person, which is the soul, is gone. And that soul, based on the life it lived, whether with Christ or outside Christ, and where that soul will be. Are you getting the point? Your soul doesn't die like the way your body dies. No. No. So death of the soul is not like the, the way your body dies. Death of the soul simply means the soul is totally separated from God. It's not like we'll, we'll come to that very soon. We'll come to that very soon. It is something that the topic called the afterlife is what we are going to talk about next. All right. So the Raya Dakar Prince is also asking a question and he says, Daddy, please, the angel in charge of death is... You want to know the name? <laughs> I see. It is dependent on... You see, when we talk about death, Death actually is a being. It was an assignment I gave to you, and fine. Death actually is a being with God. Are you getting it? So he being appointed to, and he's a great being, having a lot of millions, billions, zillions of angelic beings that serve under him. And all the beings that serve under death are also in their ranks. Are you getting it? And one of the things I want all of you to understand here is this. You see, God does not disclose certain things. He keeps some things to himself to a certain higher point when he decides to reveal. So death is a being, but then there are a lot of beings that serve under death. 
And some of these beings that actually served under death fell with Lucifer. And they actually became the angels of death in the dark world. So we need to understand that not all angels of death are ungodly. Some are on the side of God. Some are on the side of the enemy. Are you listening to me? That is the reason why whenever a believer is about to die, God will send some angels. These angels that come to receive believers mostly are the angels serving under death. Sometimes God sends different angels among them. And what they do is that they harvest the souls of people from their bodies. That's the work they do. And whenever somebody is about to die, based on what the soul, so you see, the angels of death connected to God are not those who will come and harvest that person's soul. The angels of death on the side of Satan will harvest the soul of this person. Are you getting the point? Good. And once they harvest your soul, they take you to the place where your soul belongs based on what you did with your soul whilst you were living on earth. So you can meet plenty and all these beings that serve under death have names. They have their specific names. And they are all classified as angels of death. Are you getting it? Baron Samedi is not an angel of death from God. He's an angel of that that control let me say a demon that controls the realm of the dead he's not a godly being he's a demon a demonic being are you getting the, the picture what it means is that there is no christian who would die that Baron Samedi will have authority over your soul. They, they don't, they can't dare. That soul is so precious that these ones cannot come close. Do you know the light that exudes out of the soul of every believer when he or she dies? There's no way the dark world can come close. Even the angels that will come and harvest your soul, their presence alone will smite some evil beings and sack some demons from some places. Are you following? Good. So we need to understand that. Alright. Okay, somebody said, Alexis said, Daddy, please, my mom says she had a dream today and my
If it is a dream, I will interpret it later. Okay. Okay, you want to ask whether ghosts exist? Yes, they do. Ghosts exist. Anybody that tells you there's, oh, there's nothing like ghosts, there's nothing like does not have understanding into the spiritual world. Ghosts exist. Hallelujah. And I've already taught on this. There is a window period. It's like a 40 day period between death and when the person, the soul of that dead person travels to a region where he or she cannot return again. One, you see, when you enter into the spiritual world then, When a person dies prematurely, or let me say what they, we normally call a tough in P, like an accident, that maybe if you be a shit, now she will be a flat, like a certain death that the person who died was not even ready for. Now, the moment that person dies like that, the soul of the person becomes a ghost for a while. Now, when we say ghost, we should understand we are talking about the, the souls of dead people. Are you getting the point? Now, those souls are very, very powerful than most spirits in a spiritual world. This is the reason why sometimes, even when you watch some Nigerian movies, some Nollywood movies, a ghost can be tormenting somebody and you take the person will go to a malam and say, I want to be protected from this ghost. By the time you realize the ghost will come and kill the malam. There's a serious energy that is in those souls. When they die not according to their time, and they, they outweigh a lot of spirits in the, in the spiritual world. So there are some malams, when you bring cases before them, and it is about a ghost, they can't handle it. getting it they can't some of them just will, will find ways and means to contact higher spirits who are high in strength to capture those souls there are a whole lot of things that do happen in the spiritual world plenty of them but then we will shift all of them to you know school of spiritual mysteries so that it will not interfere with the eschatological teachings we want to deliver. Because if we go deep into the matters of the spiritual world, we will not get clear understanding. Are you getting the point on what we are supposed to study? Understand we are talking about the matters of the end times and not soon soon We would actually get more time to go into that. Alexis said, Daddy, please, I was once an Adventist and I was taught that if ghosts exist, then Jesus is a ghost. Look at that. Where did they? Jesus is a ghost. Don't you know that Jesus resurrected with his physical body? 
Let them teach you. You see, this is why the Bible is the one who knows. I they are not reading the Bible. In fact, Jesus himself said, the people told Jesus that, ah, this is a ghost. And he said, touch me. A ghost does not have flesh and bones like I have. Touch me. Jesus said it all. He said, a ghost does not. So Jesus was actually telling us how ghosts look like. They are beings without flesh and without bones. They do exist. You see, I want to tell you something. Sometimes you don't, we, don't, we don't condemn a church, but we can condemn a teaching and a doctrine. Are you listening to me? When it is not right in scripture, we can condemn it. There are some churches, if you, if you attend them, you will be void of spiritual knowledge and understanding. I'm telling you the truth. There will be no zeal in you for you to have encounters with angels, with the Lord Jesus. Nothing. Everything is don't wear trousers. Don't put on earrings. Nonsense. That you put on earrings, you will go to hell. What kind of Bible are you reading? Huh? Jesus died on the cross and you only one earring you put on your ears will destroy all the works that Jesus did to save your soul. What kind of teaching is that? Earring. Why, why are they making the, the, the work on the cross nonsense? If earring can just throw away all the... Ah, I don't want to talk about that. Just know, <laughs> ghosts exist. Yes. Are you listening to me? Okay, let me ask you a simple question. In the book of Matthew 17, Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And whilst he was there, Elijah and Moses visited him. Now the question is asked at that time, where was Elijah and Moses physically? Were they not dead? Maybe you say Elijah did not die. That's what you say. But Jesus himself will let you know that if only you, you believe this, Elijah is John the Baptist that came. That means even after Elijah was taken to heaven, his spirit came back again into a body called John. And we all know John was beheaded. Now even if you still doubt that Elijah died through John the Baptist, as for Moses, we all know the Bible said God took him to the mountain and there he died. So we know that Moses died. So, won't you see that it is the ghost of Moses that appeared to Jesus? No, is that not what you will say? No, is that not what you will say? So, what about that one too? Is it a ghost or not? 
see, they are just pushing a lot of traditional beliefs on ghosts into the scriptures. That is why they are getting it wrong. Are you listening to me? That's why they are getting it wrong. That Jesus is, if ghost exists, then Jesus is a ghost. You let me let me just drop that one. Did you hear the Holy Ghost sent from heaven? The Holy Ghost sent from <laughs> the Holy Ghost sent from heaven. So even the Holy Spirit we have is a ghost. Do you know what ghost is? The word ghost is actually the same as spirit. That is why a lot of people find it if they have problems with when we say the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost. They get it. Hey, 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 hey. Holy Spirit is not a ghost. <laughs> All because they have a certain preconceived understanding of what ghost is. You see, you I don't I don't like having <sighs> Amen. But then I just want you to know, ghost exists. Amen. <laughs> All right. Okay. Any other question concerning death? The, the question, what is the mechanism behind reincarnation? Please, if it's appointed for a man to die once, we'll talk about that one. That one will lead us more into school of spiritual mysteries. So we'll handle that one later. Hallelujah. Maybe on Sunday, you can bring that same question on board and I'll explain things into details. God bless you. All right. Now let's talk about the last thing, which is the afterlife. So when somebody dies, what, what next? The afterlife. When somebody dies, what next? Now you need to understand that basically... There are two main categories of people in this world, believers and unbelievers. As a Christian, that is the perspective we are coming from. Basically, two main dimensions of people on this earth, believers and unbelievers. Are you following? But then there are certain ideologies and theories with regards to the afterlife. People believe different things when it comes to the afterlife. When somebody dies, what happens next? Even a lot of Christians have different views. Hallelujah. And there are basically five main views of the afterlife. Five main views of the afterlife. in eschatology they call the afterlife the intermediate state that is the state between death and 
where the person is going to spend eternity, like the way the evangelists normally say it. The intermediate state, the afterlife. Now, there are five main views of the afterlife. The first one, the first view or the first theory or the first ideology is called the Sheol or Hades theory. The Sheol or Hades theory. Sheol is S-H-E-O-L. S-H-E-O-L or Hades. H-E-D-E-S. Sheol is the Hebrew word for the realm of the dead. And Hades is the Greek word for the realm of the dead. So they are the same. Just that Sheol is Hebrew and Hades is Greek. And what they mean is the realm of the dead. And I think I've already explained this. The realm of the dead is a place in the sea. And it is not a physical place. Are you following it is a certain spiritual place in the sea. Now, according to this theory or ideology, whenever a human being dies, you go to the realm of the dead, and that is where you will remain. That is where you will be. Are you following? We have a lot of Christians, a lot of churches who believe these things. That once you die, in fact, when it comes to the Shul or Hades theory, they don't even separate Christians and unbelievers. They put all of them together. They say, so long as you're a human being, once you die, you go to the realm of the dead. And there are Christians who believe that. Yes, Asamado. That Christians will believe that. Mostly, this actually is the belief system of traditionalists. Is that not so? Who don't talk about any heaven, any hell. But then we have a lot of Christians who believe these things. Then the second view is the purgatory the purgatory view the purgatory view or theory now according to the purgatory view or theory when human beings die they appear in a place where they are purged when we say purged we talk about they are, they, they are purified and once they are purified to the the very best state God will take them to heaven so it doesn't matter who you are you can be an armed robber it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not once you die God will purge you and according to this theory when somebody dies even the family members can pray for the person to be purged wherever the person is so that the person will go through the purgatory system very fast and go to heaven so according to this view 
even when your family member dies they, they, they stand a chance you can actually pray for them and they will be purged faster then they go to a better place and you know that even the Roman Catholic Church hold this kind of view most of those people when they are about to bury people they will bring the corpse to the church auditorium they will sprinkle some water on it and make some prayers and to, according to them all that they are doing is helping the journey of the person wherever he is are you following somebody said hey then i've been deceived but you used to believe that eh? the corpse to the church auditorium is not the problem the problem is why are they doing so if the understanding is just thinking that oh, what we are going to do here will, will purge the person and make him or her clean so we have certain people when their family members die they will go and give money to orphans and buy things for orphans thinking that by the doing of the good things they will, they will help their you, you see the thing now listen to me carefully you see alexis listen to me carefully what i'm telling you is i'm just giving you all the views that people have no say whether it is true or not but then when I'm done listing them, I'll let you know the ones that are scriptural and the ones that are not. But as a believer, you should understand that there is, there is nothing like purgatory in the Bible. That somebody will just pray for you so that you'll be purged in. There, there is nothing like that in the scriptures. Are you following for dead dead people it does not mean we are we are working things out and helping them so that they can go to heaven you can't pray that god please um, my brother is dead please forgive him once the person's spirit so believes the body there's nothing you can do about it are you following said i was told when you die no one can ask forgiveness for you yes it is true once you die nobody can ask forgiveness for you for what are you, are you getting it it is not scripturally possible according to the word of god so the theory of shield which says that anybody that dies will be in the realm of the dead and dwell there forever whether christian or unbeliever it is not true it is not scriptural and the theory of purgatory that says that whenever people die they will go to a certain place where they will be purged until they become clean 
then God will take them to heaven. That one too is not true. And that they even go to the extent of saying that the people who are alive and were connected to those dead people can even do certain good things that will affect the dead person so that this process of purgatory will be smooth and faster. There is nothing like that in the word of God. Are you following? Good, good. Now, the third view is what we call the sleep of the soul. The sleep of the soul. The sleep of the soul. Now, this view believes that whenever anybody dies, your soul goes into a deep sleep. You don't live elsewhere. Your soul doesn't live in a different realm and travel here. It is like you are asleep and you are not dreaming. Everything goes off. Your soul is in a deep sleep. So maybe Jesus retains or something. It's called the theory of the sleep of the soul. The theory of the sleep of the soul. That one too is not scriptural. Now I think the Jehovah Witness people hold that view. That when you die, you just remain in the earth. Your soul is asleep. It doesn't go anywhere. So Jesus returns and he will wake you up. Then you go to his legon and you choose the house that you appointed before you. <laughs> you are not serious. Are you following? Good. So that theory too is not in sync with scripture. Hallelujah. Good. Now the next one is called an annihilationism. I know some of you are saying A, B. Mm. It is annihilationism or annihilationism. And what it means is that according to this theory, once someone dies, the soul of the person goes into annihilation. Just say, you cease to exist. You cease to exist totally in every realm. You don't exist anymore. Which is also not true. Are you following? There's nothing like that in scripture. We'll come into all that. And the last one is called second probation. Second probation. Now this second probation it is actually through it that this whole theory of reincarnation was born out of. But then the concept or the theory of the second probation actually means that it doesn't matter what you do, when you die, you will have a second chance. 
like the annihilationist that when you when you die your soul goes into total extinction where you cease to exist the second probation theory doesn't say that it says it doesn't matter what you have done you would have another second chance but then is that what the scriptures is saying and out of that we have this reincarnation which speaks mostly of when people die and they come back to the earth again through different means but then the scriptures does not say that so now the question is what does the bible say concerning the afterlife what does the word of god say concerning the afterlife hallelujah now let me understand i want to know your views first when a believer dies right now what happens next tell us what you know what you believe When a believer dies, what happens next? The Holy Ghost sent from heaven. Somebody says the believer goes to heaven. Okay, Benita also said they go to heaven. Okay. Now you are bringing in a new topic called heaven. We'll talk about that. Someone said, waiting in queue for judgment. Okay? Hmm. That's what you also believe. Okay. The Royal Decapri said, Abraham's bosom. Okay? <laughs> that is what us also believes. I see. Alexis said, I believe it's appointed for us to die once and after that judgment. The question is simple. The moment somebody dies, what happens? So according to what Alexis is saying, do you mean that the moment the person dies, the person receives judgment? Anah. Is that what you are saying? Okay. Alexis is saying yes. Okay, fine. Okay, we'll come into that. We'll just come to that judgment side. And if you believe so, you will let us know how the judgment will happen. And who is going to judge the person? Is it God or another person? If it is God, then that means whenever anybody dies, whether Christian or unbeliever, you all go and stand before God. Immediately after death, you all go and stand before God and receive judgment. Is that is that what you believe? Mm. <laughs> oh 
Messiah. Somebody also said paradise. Hmm. Okay. That's what he also believes. Somebody said when a person dies, the person goes through judgment. I want you to explain what the judgment is. If that is what you believe, what is the judge? What kind of judgment is that? And who is going to do the judgment? And how will the judgment be done? said when we die we are with him and we keep being with him after our bodily resurrection and the world is made new however when someone dies apart from Jesus they enter eternity carrying the weight of their offenses against an infinite and holy God and are judged accordingly by him okay it is also what Montana believes I believe that we have two types of judgment. Okay. Hmm. I like you said in your earliest teaching, you said, if you are gods, the angel of death associated with God will come for you. Okay. To where? <laughs> that is what I want to know. To where? what you are saying is true yes there is the judgment the bema seat of christ and there is the white throne judgment yes i'm just asking a question somebody said once a person dies immediately you are judged and I'm, i want to ask what judgment is that does that mean that the white throne judgment is already set in a spirit realm waiting for the unbeliever and the judgment seat of christ is also set in the spirit realm waiting for the believer but the moment you die now you go to the judgment seat whether white throne or the bema seat and you receive your judgment is that what the belief is that is the question i asked <laughs> kovasaya the place has become quiet. You can't see something and go scot free like that. Mm -mm. You have to explain what you mean by what you are saying. There are some of you listening to me. You are giving answers based on what you have heard. Are you getting a point? Based on what you have heard, and you have not taken time to go through the scriptures to know. Now, do you know that? How many of us remember one of the thieves that was also on the cross? Who was dying with Jesus 
and he told Jesus that as for you I know you have not done anything wrong but when you go to your father's kingdom remember me then Jesus made a statement and said today you shall be with me in paradise he said today you shall be with me in paradise In the book of Luke 23 verse 43 Luke 23 verse 43 he said Jesus told him I tell you with certainty today you will be with me in paradise <laughs> and now this is what I want you to take note of the Bible said the very moment Jesus died he entered into the heart of the earth. Jesus, he went into the underworld, the heart of the earth. Hmm? He went into the heart of the earth. And even when he went there, he preached. And he was there for three days and three nights. Meanwhile, he has also told somebody that today, and he said I'm telling you I am assuring you it's a sure word a certain word that today you will be with me in paradise and the very moment he died he went straight into the heart of the earth and was there for three days and three nights just as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights so now if Jesus has gone into the heart of the earth for three days and three nights to accomplish his mission and he has also promised someone that today you shall be with me in paradise what comes to mind today all your theology will fall into water The things you have believed and you don't want to read the Bible again. You have just believed them like that and you are going. Go back to the scriptures. You know you have believed a lot of things wrongly. Shana Makovasaya. why some of you when when we start the school of the word eh, in emi you feel pepe you you but hallelujah colossians 2 free was so the question is simple 
Jesus promised a certain guy that today you will be with me in paradise. Then he died. Now the question is, did he go to paradise that very day as he said? Because he said today. Okay. Many of us are saying yes. Now, according to the word of God, when Jesus died, he went into the heart of the earth. In the book of Matthew 12, verse 40, Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. The Bible said, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. settle something here. That's why I'm asking it in the form of, of a question. Let's read something from the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 to 20. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 to 20. Now we learned in Matthew 12 there that just as Jonah was in the whale's belly for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man, that is Jesus, will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. That means Jesus was going to be in the heart of the earth. When we talk about the heart of the earth, we are actually talking about the underworld. Are you following? Good. Now, First Peter chapter 3, verse 18 to 20. The Bible said, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned. 
but he died for sinners to bring to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Those who disobeyed God long ago, when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. Are you, are you listening to this scripture? What Peter is saying is that when Jesus died, he went into the prisons where all the disobedient people who disobeyed God were kept. That means there was a prison where people, in fact, the Bible said, even when they to preach, and he went into generations, uh, even to the time where the flood came to wipe away people during the time of Noah. All those people, Jesus went to the prison to speak to them. Now, the question is, where is the prison? In the heart of the earth, where he went to. Are you listening to me? In the heart of the earth. And that was where Jesus went to when he died. That he promised somebody that I am I'll be with you today, you'll be with me in paradise. So now the question is: did Jesus go to paradise or he went to the heart of the earth? Because Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse two to, to four. This is Paul, the apostle of God. He said, "I knew a man in Christ about fourteen years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knows. Such an one caught up to the third heaven." And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise. <laughs> he said, caught up, not descend. Up. Are you following? I see the spirit of the Lord come upon you. Okay, so the TPT says. Someone I am acquainted with who is in union with Christ was swept away 14 years ago into an ecstatic experience. He was taken into the third heaven, but I'm not sure if he was in his body or out of his body, only God knows. And I know that this man, again, I'm not sure if he was still in his body or taken out of his body. God knows. If this man was caught up in an ecstatic experience and brought into paradise, where he overheard many wondrous. Now, this, this is what Paul is saying. He said he knew, he knew a man 14 years ago. 
this man was caught up into the dead heavens he said yes that man was caught up into paradise what paul is trying to see here is that paradise is the third heavens are you following that is what paul is trying to say now jesus has promised this notorious thief that you are going to be with me in paradise today but then the scriptures that we read according to the word of god when jesus died he went into the heart of the earth for three days and three nights so the question is when did jesus go to heaven that day with the guy when did he go to paradise with the guy did he go to paradise and later he went into the heart of the earth or because we remember that when jesus even resurrected from the dead when jesus resurrected from the dead and he appeared among some of his disciples they wanted to touch him he said no i have not yet ascended to my father in heaven wait let me ascend to my father in heaven first So now, what are we going to understand in this section? We are talking about the afterlife. We just started. Amen. So where did Jesus go after he died? Okay, the royal decker prince in both places. Okay. Homosiah. <laughs> what do you also say? Someone said he descended into hell. Does that mean he did not go to paradise? has become quiet too or you are thinking scripturally that's fine keep thinking <laughs> okay now now I said after Christ died this happened according to Matthew 27 52 and the graves were opened and bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised it suggests these persons were the ones in Hades hell but rose up after Christ died. Sure, definitely. When Jesus Christ died, people came back from the dead. But then the question is, where did Jesus himself go to? If it is hell, where he went there to preach to those rebellious people, even up to the time where people rebelled against him during the time of Noah, what about you shall be today you shall be with me in paradise did he go to paradise that day according to the way he said 
You see, the reason I'm asking you this question is because there is another school of thought that believes that paradise is a place in the underworld. Are you following? This is a school of thought. In fact, there are a lot of Christians who believe that. They believe that paradise is a place in the regions of the underworld. But then we need to know whether that is scriptural or not. Because we just read from 2 Corinthians 12. And Paul is talking to us about a man he knew 14 years ago who was caught up into the third heaven. Then later he said, this man was caught up into paradise. So according to what Paul is trying to say, paradise is actually the third heavens. Are you following? Now, one thing we also need to understand is that most of the times the word Eden, as in the Garden of Eden, the word Eden, when you check the meaning of the word Eden, it also sometimes means paradise, the paradise of God. Eden. And now the question you need to ask yourself is simple. Is, was Eden a physical place or it was heaven? Now aside any revelation that God will give you for you to explain, in the revelatory dimension looking at it from the scriptures what are you going to say <laughs> some of you would have said oh daddy oh, there was a certain dimension of heaven you see some of us we are theologians we are coming raw according to the way the scriptures have put it said has destroyed some people's answer people are saying Eden was in Turkey physically are you did you continue to say it (laughs) hallelujah okay so I'm throwing this to all of us God willing, tomorrow evening, um, when we are continuing with the next session, we will talk about that. Hallelujah. Because there are many of you, you believe that the moment somebody dies, the person receives judgment. Is that not so? But the thing is, is that what the Bible says? what the Bible actually says because we actually get it from that scripture that says it is appointed unto man to die once and after death judgment but you see we need to understand something here 
that verse of scripture is actual. It does not begin by that. The Bible actually says just as. That means it was already talking about something before that scripture. Let's read, some, let's read it from Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9. Verse 27 and 28. The Bible said, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation now i want to ask some questions i'm going to put all the questions together are you listening to me because many of us don't understand what judgment is and I'm just talking about those who said the moment you die, you receive your judgment. You need to understand something here. You need to now understand what the judgment is. How will that judgment be? Is it that we are all going to line up before God who is sitting on the big throne and we say, come, Alexis, you did this, you did that, you did that. Go to my right hand side. Then the next person will come. You too. This, 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 this. No, aqua no See, 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 see. Come and send Then you two come. This is that how it is going to be? So it's simple. How are you going to receive your judgment when you die? How will that judgment be like? That is the question. Because you see. If somebody receives judgment immediately after death as a Christian, what is God going to give to that believer for, for the judgment? What is going to be the context of the judgment? And even if that is so, why then will Jesus come again? I don't know if you are getting my point. You see, take note, take note of what I'm saying. I know nobody is disputing the fact that there is judgment. There is judgment. But I want you to know the way some of you believe that the moment you die now you receive your judgment. That is what I want to get a scriptural basis. Are you getting the point? Exactly. Because if you begin to read the scriptures, you will actually understand that Jesus, our Lord, will descend with a shout. 
with the voice of the archangel with the last trump okay let me say this can i say this do you know that a lot of christians also believe that as believers we have already been judged because according to them when it comes to judgment we come to the court and then the judge will now declare whether you are justified or you are guilty is that not so and the very day we believed in jesus christ it was declared unto us that we have been justified and that's what the bible calls us the just so the just means somebody who has been justified that means that a certain court sat on your case and they declared that from today you have been you have been justified you are free you are now declared to be righteous so according to this group of people they believe we have been judged already as christians what do you say about that scripturally <laughs> the place has become very quiet and our mother don't sleep get up get up get up get up yes. get up Alexis said, then they are trying to mean our present sin doesn't count. I want to understand what Alexis is saying. When we say your present sin counts, what does it mean? I want to understand it. Alexis, are you getting my question? You see, I want to bring understanding to all of us. Okay. So Alexis says that even though we are all Christians, but we still keep sinning. So Alexis, let me ask a simple question. As a Christian is still sinning, when the Christian dies, what will happen? What will happen to the sin that the Christian sinned? <laughs> that is where the problem is. The whole issue is that we don't understand what judgment is. So many people believe that even as Christians, when we die, we come, we appear before God, and God will be judging us concerning our sins. You sinned, and you did this, you did that, you did that. That is not what the Bible says. Let me help you. The same verse that we are reading, huh? Hebrews nine twenty-seven. Let's read the verse twenty-eight to the last end. Let me see what the Bible is saying. And I wish somebody could get me the 
New Living Translation. Okay, even the TPT is fine. He says, But when we die, we will be face to face with Christ, the one who experienced death once for all to bear the sins of many, and now to those who eagerly await him. Who are those who are eagerly waiting for Christ? Is it not the believers? Is it not a bit good? He said, now those who are eagerly, who eagerly await him, he will appear the second time. So Jesus will actually come the second time. Then the Bible said, not to deal with sin. Not to deal with sin, but to bring us the fullness of salvation. Hmm. I wish I can say this. Yeah? The second coming of Jesus Christ then, is not to deal with sin. That is the reason why he came for the first time. His first coming was the one that dealt with sin. But his second coming is coming to bring fullness to the salvation we have received. What it means is that the salvation we have now is not the fullness. So does that mean Christians should continue to sin? It, you see, when we say a Christian is sinning, it will appear in your judgment. And in the judgment of a believer, your, your <laughs> it is not like God is going to mention your sins. Never. That's not because we need to understand that as Christians, we are in covenant we are in connection to the covenant that God has with Jesus Christ, which I made mention of it last Monday. And according to Jeremiah 31, 31, when God was telling us about that new covenant, he said, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. It will shock you that as a believer, when you die and you appear before God, God will never make mention of any sin you committed. It will shock you. But the thing is, the reward you are going to receive from God, your sin that you are sinning today can reduce it. The reward you are going to get from God is actually what we call your judgment. Are you listening to me? This is the reason why the judgment of Christians is totally different from the judgment of unbelievers. The judgment of Christians is called the, the Bema seat of Christ. But then the judgment of the unbelievers is known as the white throne judgment. So Christians will be judged differently from unbelievers. Are you getting my point? Because are some of you who think that just as our dear sister Alexis is saying, you only receive judgment when you die. 
and uh, Alexis, is that what you were saying? Good. But then according to the word of God, do you know that not all of us will die? Jesus will descend and some unbelievers will still be alive. Not all of So how are these people also going to be judged since they've not died? This is why we need to understand the way the scriptures, you know. You see, take your time and listen. Eh? Whenever a believer dies, there is a place for the believer that he goes to wait. In fact, heaven is a waiting place. Heaven is not the permanent place for believers. Every believer that is dead is in heaven. But then, the heaven that believers are, we are not all in one place. Are you listening to me? They are all not in one place. So there are some Christians who are dead and are in heaven. They've never seen Paul before. Paul is also in heaven. But where Paul dwells is different from where they are dwelling. Because even that one alone will let you know that there will be differences in our estates in heaven. Are you getting the point? Heaven is not the permanent place. Anybody that tells you uh, heaven at last, the person has lied to you. That's not what the Bible says. Heaven is not the final destination. No. Our final destination is called the new heaven and the new earth or the new Jerusalem. So any Christian that is dead is in heaven waiting for a certain day. And the thing is, every Christian that is in heaven right now has not yet been judged. getting the point they have not yet been judged when we say the judgment of believers we are talking about the receiving of rewards that is when our works will be passed through fire then whatever comes out God is going to look on that to reward you are you listening to me then when unbelievers also die they go to certain realms of hell. That is also not the final destination. The final destination of unbelievers is called the lake of fire, not hell. Hell is also a waiting place, just as heaven is also a waiting place, according to the word of God. I will talk about heaven and hell, God willing, tomorrow evening. Are you listening to me? It's like somebody has an issue and we've taken the person you know to the remand cells it means and when you pronounce the judgment on you that is when you will know where you are going your final destination are you listening to me but then you have been arrested and you have been put behind bars. It does not mean that is where you are going to be forever. Your case has not been judged. I don't know if you are getting my point.
So whenever a Christian dies, the angels will come and harvest your soul and take you to where you belong based on your growth in Christ on earth, in heaven. And when an unbeliever dies, the angels of death in the dark world will also come and harvest your soul and take you to where you belong, in hell. But then there is going to be a day when our Lord Jesus Christ will descend. And when he descends, the Bible said, okay, I don't want to go beyond the, the limit that I was set. <laughs> Hallelujah. So basically that is it. But then God willing, tomorrow we are going to continue. Hallelujah. May the Lord empower all of us. May he bless us and keep all of us strong in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you and favor you. If you feel led by the Spirit of God to release any seed, the number is 0240312551. Hallelujah. And also, if you want to support the church, building project the number is zero five five six zero five zero four five two zero five five six zero five zero four five two the lord bless you and keep all of you strong in jesus precious mighty name amen god bless you alexis god bless you god bless you pacho and two bible God bless you. Alright, so we shall meet God willing this dawn at exactly 5 a.m. GMT for morning glory service. The Lord bless you and favor you all. Shalom. This night I pray that the Lord will reveal himself to you. May he open your eyes and grant you deep understanding in the word. May he give you an encounter of angels that will transform your life in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. We shall meet. Shalom.